Welcome back to Pod People's Podcast for people who make podcasts. I'm Tyler Green, head of community at Pod People and your host. On today's show, our head of production, Matt Sav, sits down with photographer, doodler, and veteran podcast producer, Noah Eberhardt. Noah's worked with Pod People on Netflix's More Like This and Entertainment Weekly's Awardist, two shows involving extensive remote recording with high-profile guests like Kate Blanchett, Regina King, Ted Danson, and more. We join their conversation as Noah opens up about the pros and cons of remote recording in the pandemic world and then shares some tips and tricks he's picked up along the way. Remote recording, it's incredible because it allows us to connect better with people we might not have access to. You might not be able to get someone across the country or across the world into a studio or even do a tape sync with them. But with remote recording, it's a lot easier to do that. On the flip side of that, it kind of changes the roles of everybody a little bit. Now, guests and hosts and people maybe not used to being on the engineering side have had to learn some of those skills and become their own engineers. It's actually become a more kind of collaborative process if you think about it that way. It's really, I think, kind of changed changed the game entirely for podcasting. Once in-person recordings start happening again, what percentage of your workflow do you think remote records will be? And what purpose do you think they'll play in our industry? I think for certain shows who might have the budget to be in a studio or have access to a studio already. I'm sure many of those shows will move back. At the same time, I think it's going to leave some of those doors open. So some of those guests that maybe you might not have had access to or might not have wanted to go for, I think a lot a lot of shows now will feel easier about saying, hey, can we record remotely with this person? So in terms of the main ways of interfacing when you're setting up a remote record, obviously the two sort of main players that we've used, I know, are Squadcast and Zoom. Mm -hmm. Can you maybe talk through the differences of Squadcast and Zoom and why a producer might pick one or the other? Almost everyone in, in the world has been using Zoom. Most people are very comfortable with it at this point. So for ease of convenience, for people who might not be super tech savvy, Zoom is definitely the easier option. There's a difference in quality, I would say. If you're in really good circumstances with Zoom, if you have a good mic, if you're in a good environment when it comes to sound, if the internet connection is is good, then you can absolutely just with Zoom record and get decent sounding audio. But if any of those things are off, you know, you you run the risk of audio that's not great quality. With something like Squadcast that records a higher quality file format, it, it records in Wave. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's larger files, but they're richer files that are recorded locally. You're not going to maybe have some of the kind of audio glitches that you might have on a Zoom file. How would you define local recording? Local recording means, yeah, you're not only the guest, you are also your own engineer. That means besides logging onto Zoom and whoever's the host of the meeting on Zoom is recording that call, you are also on your end recording your own voice locally so that you have a, a version of your file that's not going all the way through through the internet and then coming back 
it is being recorded locally in one spot on your computer. It's going to be higher quality. You're not going to have those audio glitches. You'll just have a much better file. So how might someone go about local recording? If you're local recording for yourself, I think it's just a matter of what you're comfortable with. And there are all different levels. If you're using a Mac computer, Mm -hmm. the simplest way I've found is using QuickTime and you open up the QuickTime app and new audio recording. You double check that your mic input is correct. You double check that it's recording in the highest quality. And then you just click record and it just goes. One step up from that is GarageBand, where, you know, you can open up a new GarageBand track and record yourself. You can use whatever software you, and you can go up the line. You can use Logic, you can use Audition, you can use whatever you might be recording with. If you're the host or the producer, you're running that simultaneously while recording on Zoom Mm -hmm. or Squadcast. Yes, Exactly. So it's not one or the other. You're making sure that both guests are recording locally and as the producer or host, you're setting up and pressing record on Zoom or Squadcast. Exactly. So one of the major functions I think that serves is that you're having a backup. And I think the Mm -hmm. idea, especially in remote record where there are so many variables, I think the backup is an essential part of the recording toolkit. Let's say you have a guest who is hesitant to local record. They don't want to deal with QuickTime. They don't even know what GarageBand is. How would you deal with that situation? You can send instructions ahead of time if you think that might help. Sometimes people don't read those or it gets (laughs) lost in the mix. I do think that the easiest way if you're going to do that is either, you know, find a time like the day before Mm -hmm. to hop on and show them or 15 minutes ahead of time and try to work through it with them. But If it's really not going to happen, and this does happen from time to time with local recordings, there are other options, like if they have, uh, you know, an iPhone, uh, you can do voice memo. Mm -hmm. And what I would recommend with that is have them hold the iPhone like a mic during the recording, uh, you know, a few inches away from their face as they're talking. I wouldn't recommend necessarily putting it down on the table, but if they're holding it and there's a, you know, specific kind of way to hold it that's best, that's still a local recording. So mm-hmm. if you can get them to record locally on voice memo, that's better than than nothing. <laughs> and yeah, it's not going to be necessarily the same kind of quality, but it's still a step up. Okay. In terms of setup, another way to further enhance the audio is to obviously have a microphone. I assume with the host, that should always be the case. With guests, that's not always a possibility. What would you say for a guest who doesn't have a microphone would be some recommendations you'd make? So when you're recording and you're looking to get something in best quality, there are a few different factors. A microphone is just one of those factors. Another factor would be your environment that you're in. Mm -hmm. So finding spaces that are acoustically kind of more suited to recording is important. And so, for instance... You don't want to be recording in a a big, huge room if you can avoid it. I am right now because uh, that's the only space I have. But if you can convince someone to record in their closet and they're okay with it, that's always a good option. If you have something you can put over the window to avoid sounds from the outside coming in, anything you can do to make it more like a little enclosed cave (laughs) is going to make your audio better. So those are a few things you can look out for. And and I do recommend if you think that, you know, your guest will 
follow these directions. Sometimes again, <laughs> people don't read emails or or they skim through. But you know, making some of these suggestions of try to find a smaller room, a quieter room, a room that might have carpet, a room that might not have windows. And you can recommend this to your guests if it's possible for them to record in that kind of space. Yes. I know on that note too, removing jewelry as much as I, I love jewelry, but it can pick up and make noise as people move around on a recording. And Mm -hmm. another thing I know you do this is uh, asking people to put their cell phones to airplane mode to make sure that a cell phone doesn't suddenly go off and record. Absolutely. Which is the best practice if you're in the studio as well. Yeah. So you want to basically create that isolated bubble of vortex in which you're recording. What do you think on that note of the blanket fort? So obviously, you know, this is not mm-hmm. something you could request Nicole Kidman to do, but <laughs> for a lot of people again who are recording with friends or a co-host remotely, you know, a lot of people do resort to the blanket fort. What are your opinions on the blanket fort? I mean, it's kind of an ideal situation. You're cutting off all the other sound that might be coming in. You're you, you're surrounded by fabric that's going to you know absorb all that noise. If you have the means to do the blanket fort, go for it. I love a good blanket fort. And my one tip there is just to make sure that the blankets are not hitting your microphone. Yes. <laughs> um, so as you move around, you basically, this is blanket fort 101, whatever you can do to create a true fort that doesn't touch your microphone or your laptop if you're recording on your laptop It is a surprisingly cheap way to get better audio. So moving on. So obviously, beyond local recording, an obvious way to improve the audio is not recording directly through your computer, but having a microphone. What are some of your thoughts on microphones for the hosts? And if you have any preferences there in terms of favorite mics, what you're using right now? Sure. So right now I'm using an AT2020 USB, which is an Audio-Technica microphone that is a USB mic. I plug it right in. I like it a lot. The thing about mics is there are so many options. There are mics that are very kind of simple to use and don't have a lot of extra options that that sound just great. And there are mics that have a lot of extra options that a lot of people might not need if all they're doing is podcasting or anything like that. I think doing research is your best friend. You do have to be careful because somehow on YouTube, there are literally 1 million people who review mics. Um, It can be a little overwhelming. The good thing is there's a lot of info out there. If you watch three or four videos about one mic, you will start to get a better idea on what it can do. Watch some tutorials, see how easy it is to set it up and what people think of it. If you spend the time and do a little bit of that research yourself, it's going to pay off because then you you know what you're getting into. You have a better idea of how to use it and how to explain to someone else how to use it if they're far away and you're connected over Zoom. That's awesome. And just as a point of comparison, I'm using the Shure SM7B. I know that Shure just came out with a USB version that is very similar to this mic and a little bit cheaper, Mm -hmm. the Shure MB7, which is a USB mic. So a lot of people, you know, the Shure SM7B is a classic podcaster mic. A lot of people are, seem to be really liking that version with the USB. In terms of price point, you can find good mics that are under a hundred bucks. Yeah. You can find ones right around a hundred bucks. 
This one, the AT2020 USB, I think was around 150. The new mic from Shure that you were talking about, I think is around 250. Mm -hmm. The SM7B is about 400. So Mm -hmm. there's a huge sliding scale. The great thing is like, there's again, a million options and you can find quality kind of at any price point. So actually in terms of a lower price point mic, on Netflix Q, we're sending out remote recording kits that include mics to some of these higher profile guests. Can you run through what a remote recording kit might include? So if someone does have the budget and they do want to be sending these out to guests, they kind of know what's in there. Sure. So the simple kind of recording kit that that, that we've kind of put together, you're going to have a microphone in there. You're going to want to make sure you have the correct, whether it's a USB cord or what have you, and what type of USB cord you're going to use. So that's where it comes into play, you know, talking to your guests and figuring out what kind of computer they have, what kind of setup they have. You don't want to send the wrong cords. And if you can avoid it, you don't want to have to send a bunch of different cords and leave them trying to figure out which one to use you. If you can figure out which one they need and only send that one that makes things simpler, then if they need headphones or earbuds, you can throw in some of those as well. And then if they happen to need to record, for instance, over an iPad, there are kind of converters, adapters that you can use to connect a USB mic to an iPad. So those are kind of the basics that you would put in there and some instructions as well, some written instructions just so they have them. And then again, if you want to get super fancy with it, you can also print out a shipping return label so that they can ship it right back to you very easily. So you mentioned headphones, and we actually have not mentioned in this week's show yet the importance of headphones in remote recording. Why are they so important? (laughs) They're incredibly important because the last thing that you want is on your guest's recording is to be hearing themselves echoed back or the other person talking. You want as clean of a recording as possible. And by that, I just mean one track has one voice on it. It can be very, very difficult to clean that up if you have, you know, these voices bleeding over and things echoing. So even if you're not able to send out a remote recording kit, make sure at a minimum that your guest has headphones and that they're not wireless. Why are wireless headphones? I know you've dealt with this a lot. Yes. Not ideal. You just want things to be wired, generally speaking, because it's just uh, more consistent and safer. Bluetooth can drop out, and it does drop out. The other thing is AirPods are going to further compress the audio. Mm-hmm. You know, any any Bluetooth mic is going to do that as well, I think. So, you know, it's just safer to have a wired connection. I love that. And so in terms of a remote recording kit, budget constraint is obviously important. You can't be sending out, let's say, a $400, $500 mic to every guest on a show. So. Right. I know you and I, we've come to, to love a particular mic for these guest kits, and I wanted to share that with the listeners. So maybe you can tell them what we use. Sure. So the mic that we send out is the ATR2100X USB. And what I like about this mic is that it looks like an onstage mic that you you would hold. You just turn it on and off. There aren't different modes. You set it up on its stand, you put it there, and you can kind of forget about it. It's for people who are not used to using different kinds of microphones. 
it can be confusing. Even stuff like, do I speak into the front of it or the top of it? If you have a microphone like that, that has a familiar shape and people know how to use it and where to put it, you save yourself from having to explain extra steps. For example, I know the Blue Yeti is about the same price, right? It's about that 100 to 120. But the Blue Yeti for a first-time podcast interviewee, it's not exactly quite clear which side of the mic you should be recording on. Whereas with this mic, because again, it looks like a traditional stage mic that a singer might hold, it really clearly shows you which direction you're supposed to be recording into, which is key. Absolutely. And the single button. Yeah, it's just an on-off switch. A little blue light pops up when it's on. Yeah. And we've been perfectly happy with um, the sound quality on that. It's really served us well. You have done, I mean, at this point, it must be a hundred <laughs> plus remote records. I, I, that's not even covering it. And you've done it with some really, really incredible talent. So, so do you yeah. have any fun stories you can share? Maybe one or two stories that come to mind, either sure. of a stressful moment or a really fun moment maybe both that emerged in your remote records. It's always an adventure. And the interesting thing about remote recordings is you're catching people at home. So you kind of never know what's going to happen. I would say we had a situation where we were going to be interviewing Ted Danson and Ted specifically requested to come on early just because he knew he might have some questions about the setup, which is great. Like very rarely do you get someone who is already offering, let's jump on half an hour early to do this. So I hopped on with him. We, we got things set up. He was, you know, very eager to, to do things correctly. He was just very charming. And I got to spend an extra few minutes with Ted Danson setting up uh, tech. That's awesome. That was, that was great. I've met people's pets over Zoom. <laughs> yeah, you really, you really kind of get an inside window sometimes into what's going on in, in people's personal lives. It does kind of offer this kind of fascinating view into that. But um, yeah, you kind of never know what you're going to get. It's always an adventure. It's always, uh, you have to be prepared for anything. That was our phenomenal community member, Noah Eberhardt. You can find out more about all Noah is up to at noaheberhardt.com, which we've linked to in the show notes. We've also shared links to a few of the products Matt and Noah discussed in the show notes. And that's all for today's episode of Pod People's Podcast for people who make podcasts. On next week's episode, our CEO, Rachel King, and our head of business development and marketing, Ann Fuse, will chat about podcast-related acquisitions who's been making purchases over the last couple of years, who's coming for Spotify, and who we think will win. A few months ago, it looked like Spotify might be sort of running away with being the leader and having a monopoly on this industry. The Pod People team is Rachel King and Fuse, Matt Sav, me, Tyler Green, Danielle Roth, Sammy Reed, Isabel Genius, Alexa Brooks-Major, Devin Wilson, and Erica Wong. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Be sure also to join our Facebook group. It's called Pod People Community. All of these are linked to in the show notes. And again, if you haven't filled out our intake survey yet to join our community, you can find that at podpeople.com slash producers. As always, we are here for you. So email us at hello at podpeople.com with any questions, feedback, or even fun ideas for future episodes. Have an amazing week. I looked into recording this in my closet. There's too much junk in there. (laughs) 